I don't know about y'all, but I've been worshiping for the past 30 minutes. And I pray you have as well. And as I sat up here on this front row and just heard the songs that, that God has laid on Brother Ed's heart, and as you, I hope you understand, Brother Ed doesn't just sing music. I mean, he prays and seeks the Lord. And I'm sitting up here just trying to regain composure as I hear the words of the songs that literally were spoken over me over the last 24 hours. And Brother Ed didn't know that. And so as we start today, I know that the Lord has something powerful and stored. And uh, I remember sitting at a church about five years ago when the pastor got up and, man, he just wept from the pulpit. And I said, Lord, you know, I just, I, I don't know if I, if, if, if I need to ever do that, like as a pastor. And Lord, forgive me for ever saying that because I don't know if I can make it through this morning. I have my, my one little tissue up here. Uh, not that not that this message, other than the fact that God has made all things new, I mean, just the gravity of that. Think about that for a second. The old is gone and the new has come. Think about that for a second. Like what you see today up here, Brother Ed, myself, Brother Fred, the, the, the singers, what you see is not us. It's not me. You're seeing the newness of Christ. You're seeing Jesus. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's what you're seeing today. And I pray that that's what people are seeing in you as well. So I want to start this morning with my life verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 4 and 5. It says, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. You know, I had somebody ask me this past well, a month ago, and said, mentioned to me, they said, David, you know, uh, you, you spoke something that just seemed like it came from, from, from just, I don't know where it came from, it was so deep, and I looked at him and I said, man, I ain't got nothing in my arsenal that's deep. I don't even know how to spell. I said, but the Lord reminded me in that moment that what He was speaking was the, the clarification, the verification of this verse in my life. That what he was seeing was Jesus. And what he heard was Jesus. You know, so often I tell people that whenever I get up on stage, I really feel like it's an outer body experience. I'm sitting right there on the front row next to Brother Fred this morning, listening to what the Spirit has to say. And Brother Fred has did a uh, part two of the frogs. Uh, and uh, just the other day I saw God's Not Dead 2. And so this morning, I feel like the Lord has told me to go to part two of a living sacrifice. So I'm just going to continue in that theme here this morning. I want to start by just kind of sharing with you a story. There was a father who had a really, really, really nice antique car. Just unbelievable. And the son idolized this car. I mean, he just looked at it. He was like, man, this is incredible. Like, it's beautiful. Like, I mean, the chrome looks nice. Everything looks nice. It's been remodeled, all this stuff. And I just can't wait till the day I can drive it. When the son was finally old enough to drive it, the, the dad let him drive it. And he was going about 10, 15 miles an hour down the street. So afraid that he would mess up something. So afraid that, that something would go wrong. And so finally he gets it back to, to his dad. And lo and behold, a little bit later in life, his dad gifts him the car. 
Well, about five years down the road, the father comes home or comes to his son's house and he says, man, like, why the car's in the garage and there's only about 10 miles on it since I gave it to you. And the son said, but dad, I took care of it like you did. Like, I, I, I've, I've cleaned it. I've kept it clean. I've kept the tires clean and all these different things. And the father looked at him and said, if I realized that all you would have done was put it in the garage, I would have never given it to you. You see, that car was made to be driven. That car was made to be used. And so this morning, as we kind of discuss part two of a living sacrifice, and we talked about uh, two months ago, are you truly on the altar? Either He is Lord of all, or He's not Lord at all today in your life. And so if you have placed your life on the altar, and you have said, I am a living sacrifice, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, if you said, I am a living sacrifice, I'm going to lay myself down on the altar, then God wants to use your life. And so this morning I want to ask you, are you sitting in the garage saying, God, look at how clean and how I have no dents, I have, I, there's no, there, I, nothing here, like look at how, or are you out there going for the kingdom of God and being used with your life? See, the Lord just continually over the last two months has just, and, and thank you, Brother Fred, for giving me two months to prepare this message because it's taken all two months to do it. But over the last couple months, I've just dwelt on that message. And the Lord continued to show me 2 Corinthians 5. In 17, it says, the old is gone, the new has come. See, when we lay our life on the altar, we realize that the old self has passed away. The newness of Christ has come into our life. Galatians 2.20 says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, it says we have the mind of Christ. And so this morning, I don't think that having the mind of Christ is a brain transplant. Because Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, be renewed by the, the renewing of your mind. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's the sanctification process. But I really struggled and I challenged, I said, Lord, what happens when I lay my life on the altar and I lay my material things on the altar and I lay everything that you've given me on the altar, but you don't always take all of them away. See, for some people, he removes it completely and says, I want you to give it up completely. I'll give you an example. My house is on the altar. My car, my truck is on the altar. But the Lord didn't tell me to give it away and bike to work, which would be fine. The Lord didn't tell me to go give it away. He's told me to use it. And so what the Lord showed me is, is that when we lay everything on the altar, and it's truly on the altar of God, He changes our mindset of what they're there for. So instead of my house being there for my comfort, my gain, my selfish agenda, it's now there for the kingdom of God. And if he wants it, it's his. Instead of my truck being there for, for myself and let me go park it on the back 40 because I don't want somebody to dent it or bump it or, or any of those types of things. He's given it to me that I may use it and he's renewed my mind that instead it's not for me anymore, it's for the kingdom of God and for his glory. You say, David, what do you mean by that? Well, if somebody needs it and, and, and the Lord gives me peace and, 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 and it's his. It's not my truck, it's His. 
Everything I have is his. I'm going to have everybody call him tomorrow needing my truck. And that's fine by the glory of God for his kingdom. I just need to borrow yours. So the mind of Christ is different from the old way of thinking. See, the old way of thinking is about the self. The old way of thinking is about your selfish kingdom. It's all about your kingdom. It's about your ways. It's about building up who you are. But the new way of thinking is about the kingdom of God. The new way of thinking is about the glory of the king. And so today, I want to take and just think about three different things. And listen, I could give you 500. There's books written all about it. But I want to give you just three things the Lord pressed on my heart about the mind of Christ. You say, David, how is this part two of a living sacrifice? When we lay everything down on the altar, God renews our mind to use the things that He's continually letting us keep for His glory and for His kingdom. He renews our mind. And let me just say this too. Let me, let me use a better terminology here. It's not that He lets us keep it. He lets us steward it. Do you realize that God has called you to steward everything that you have? He's called you to steward your house, your car, your finances. Hey, He's even called you to steward your time. He's called you to steward everything that He has, in, in, in some terms, loaned to you. Because you don't own it. You don't own it. And you know that mindset and being renewed in that mindset. Just the other day we had a storm come through. And I don't know why, but my street was the only street in Mobile that got a gust of wind about 80 miles an hour. Took down my fence, launched my grill in the backyard. That was kind of cool watching it. Took shingles off the roof, quite a few of them. And I just preached that, that message about a living sacrifice and that everything I had was on the altar. And I said, okay, God, it's your house, it's your roof. I said, you know, if, if it leaks, it leaks, but I need to get up there and fix it. But, but before that, I would have said, my roof. Oh, no, my stuff, my things. But God renewed my mind. And I said, hey, hey, God, it's your roof. Hey, hey, God, your roof is messed up. And you know what he did? It just so happened that my neighbor had shingles sitting in his garage, and he saw me outside. I got to tell you this. He saw me outside literally throwing a ball into the tree, trying to knock the shingles out of the tree to go put it up, put them back up. Oh, yes, my poor little one-year-old is like, why does daddy have my ball? And I'm sitting there throwing it up in the air, trying to knock shingles out of the tree to go put them back up. My neighbor sees me, he's like, man, we got to pray for those pastors. And uh, so I go, and, and he just so happened to have a, a pack of shingles that are the same color. He just so happened to have nails, which I don't even have nails, and a hammer. I did have a hammer. And so I was able to replace it literally the next morning before the next set of storms came through. The new self has the mind of Christ. And so let's look at what the mind of Christ, just three things the Lord put on my heart today. Number one, the mind of Christ. And, and just write this scripture down, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 17, the last part of it says, we have the mind of Christ. And write down Romans 12, verse 2, because it says to be renewed in your mind. Now, the mind of Christ, number one, what the Lord spoke to me, 
is that it understands the authority of the Father. You know, everything Jesus said, He says, I do because the Father's given me authority. Everything He did. So for us, for our mind to be renewed, we must come to the point that we understand the authority that the Father has. Now remember, everything in life and any person or anything that has authority has been given that authority by God. They didn't earn it. They didn't be qualified to get it. It was given by God. Even the authority, look at the book of Job, even the authority that that, that the evil one has, has been given by God. Every person that has authority has been given by God. Now let me just kind of just share with you a second. Let's just have our mind renewed for a minute. If the President of the United States were to walk through this room, and and I don't have a trumpet, but we start playing uh, that song that he comes in. I don't even know what it is, but when he comes in, what happens? What, what, What do you do? You stand up. Why? Out of respect to the authority that he has. But if Jesus, the creator God of the universe, were to walk in this room, what would happen to us? We would fall on our knees and our face. Why? Because He didn't receive authority. He has all authority. See, our mind gets changed. We respect the person who has been given authority, but we know where that authority came from. And when that comes into the room, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, we fall on our face because He has all authority. I sit here and I think, even my own life, in January when Brother Fred shared that I was going to go to associate pastor for preaching and discipleship, I wasn't qualified to get that. I didn't earn that. It was simply God granting authority in somebody's life. I've heard people ask me before, they say, David, you know, how do you get to this place or that place or this place of authority or this position? And I said, you know what? You die to self. And you say, God, you use me. I'm clay in the potter's hands. See, you never hear the clay say, Hey, potter, I want to be this. Oh, hey, hey, potter, um, I really want to be this and this and that. And, and, and yeah, mow me a little bit over on this side and, and just a little bit on that. No. You know what you see the clay? Submit it to the authority of the potter. And whatever the potter says that he is going to use that person for, whether it's a church as a pastor, whether it's a church of three people or a church of 27,000, as long as you are walking the will of God, seeking Him and Him alone and allowing Him to grant the authority, then you will watch a movement of God beyond any recognition. And you will say, it was only God. You know how I know that? Look at King David. Around 16, 15, 16 years old. He's out in the shepherd field. And all these people who were qualified, Jesse's sons. And he goes, uh, uh, Samuel comes, and I love that name. Samuel comes and he says, uh, it's the first, no, it's not him. The second, no, it's not him. Uh, the third, no, it's not him. I mean, he's looking at these 
these mighty warriors that if anybody was qualified, they were qualified. And God says, no, I'm granting authority to the one that's out in the shepherd field that seems to this world that has no authority, seems to this world has no qualifications, but I see his heart and he is submitted to the authority of God. And so I'm going to grant him authority. And at the age of 30 years old, David becomes king over Israel. So we don't seek out a position at our job. We don't seek out these things. We ask the Lord to mold us. We ask the Lord to take us and to use us. And the Lord grants authority. It says in Matthew 28, 18, all authority has been given to me. Jesus is speaking that about the Father. All authority has been given to me. Ephesians 1, 21-23 says all authority is under the foot of Jesus. Let me tell you something. God has all authority. I'm going to share with you a simple story that happened on Wednesday night. Somebody texted me and said it's the simple things in life. But you know, God has even authority over buildings, creation. Wednesday night I get a phone call about 9 o'clock and this door over here would not shut. Couldn't get it to unlock. Couldn't get it to lock. And of course we got a lot of stuff up in here that could be taken, right? The door would not lock. So everybody had tried and they called and they said, David, can you come help us? And so Russ was out of town, which Russ can fix anything. Uh, but he was out of town. And I know why he was out of town, so that God could show his glory. I showed up at 9 o'clock and there was two of our students were with me. And we, man, we did everything we knew to do to a door other than take it off and put a new one on. And finally the Lord said, David, why aren't you praying? So I said, hey students, y'all come over here. Let's lay hands on this door and let's pray. And this was my exact prayer. I said, God, if you want this door to be locked, you're going to have to do it because we don't know what we're doing. I said, we've all tried, but if you want it locked then you lock it. If you don't want this door locked, then God, I just pray that you'll protect all the stuff in here that we can use it next Sunday to proclaim the gospel. As soon as we opened our eyes, my eyes opened up to the lock and I stuck my key in, which had been done before, and I turned it and instantly it locked. You sit there and you say, well, Dave, that's a coincidence. No, that's God. That's absolutely God. You see, God has all authority. The second thing that I want you to see here is this. Is not only does the mind of Christ understand the authority of the Father. But number two, it focuses on kingdom things. When our mind is transformed and renewed and we have the mind of Christ, we focus on kingdom things. Now, we're going we're gonna to spend a lot of time here for a minute because this is... Uh, really essential to the old is gone and the new has come. Because see, when we become, when we, when we get to know Christ, or when our eyes are open and we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, too often we take years of living in darkness and then we try to take that, that understanding and then we try to just merge it with the gospel of Jesus. And that doesn't work because see, it says the old is gone. Completely gone, none of it. The new has come. And so our mindset leaves the idea of earthly things. Our mindset leaves the idea of selfish gain. And our mindset goes to kingdom things. Every moment of your life. 
See, the old way of thinking would tell you that your job is there for you to be successful. The old way of thinking would say, well, listen, if you can be successful at your job, you'll make more money, you'll have happiness. The old way of thinking is, is that if you just work a little bit harder, just a, just a little bit harder, and just, just keep pouring out, and you sacrifice your family, you sacrifice your, 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 all your friends and relationships, and, and, and you are so focused, the old way of thinking says that success is the value of the world lifting you up because you've been successful at your job. But see, when your mind has been renewed in Christ and you're a new creation, you realize that your success is in the kingdom of God. It's in God and God alone. As Brother Fred shared with me right before I came up this morning, he looked at me, he said, David, you are only here to please one person, that's God. And when you come in this place, and when you, excuse me, when you go to your job, you come to the understanding because your life has been renewed in Christ that your job is simply an outlet for you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ at all times. See, your job now is for you to go and do kingdom work at a place that, that just happens to pay you to be there. So we need to go and share the gospel. Our whole mindset changes on why we wake up on Monday morning to go to wherever we're going to serve. It can be at McDonald's flipping hamburgers. You're still serving God and your reason to be there is to bring glory and honor to His name. Or you could be sitting in the Oval Office and the reason that you should be there is to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus. And you sit there and you say, well, David, what if, what if I'm fired? Well, that's a great question. We just talked about the mind of Christ, understanding that all authority is in God. Hey, he owns the cattle on a thousand hill. And let's just say if you are fired, you're gonna, we're going to be trusting him. Right? I know people to this day who have been banded from speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ, especially public school teachers. But let me tell you something, I know several of them who share the gospel of Jesus every day. I've been at Theodore High School and preached the gospel during school hours. Listen, we cannot be afraid because we have been called. Listen, our life is already on the altar. Let's say they throw us in jail. Well, our, our life's on the altar. It's already been given to God. We start a prison ministry. Let's say they take our life from us. And this is part two, the second thing I want to talk to you. But let's say your life is taken from you. Please don't ever say, when somebody says, how are you doing? Don't ever say, it sure beats the alternative. Because if you say that, then you don't understand. You don't, you don't have the mind of Christ that's renewing you, saying, for you to live as Christ, for you to die as game, because you're going to be standing at the throne of God, or maybe you're going to be on your face at the throne of God forever and ever and ever. And I don't know about y'all, but it sure beats what I experience here. So the alternative is incredible for me. Hey, and I'm 30 years old, 31. I'm 31, I've got a lot of life to look forward to is what they say. But I don't, I look more forward to the day that I step out of this life. And I hear my father say, come in my good and faithful servant. And I can lay the crown of life that he's at his feet. I look more forward to that than anything else in this world. And I love my wife and I love my kids. I do. So the old way of thinking is, is that, you know, your job is about you and about your focus. But the new mindset of Christ is that it's for kingdom things. 
The second thing I want you to see within this is that uh, death. You know, we talk about how before Christ, it's all about trying to figure out every way you can to preserve your life. Why? Because you don't know what's coming. And if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that today your eyes will be opened because I can tell you what's coming for those who don't know Christ. And it wasn't created for you. It was created for the angels who fell down. It was created for Lucifer who fell down because he wanted the glory that he was not supposed to have. And it's called hell. But see, because our mindset has been renewed in Christ, when we look at death, we look at it as what? A departure of here to be with our Father. If you have an incredible relationship with your dad here on earth and you were separated for 10, 15, 20 years, when you came back, you would go running to hug your father because you loved him. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when you cross the finish line of life? See, death cannot be our fear anymore because we've already laid our life down. We've given our life away, even our last breath. And so the mindset says, don't fear death. Don't be afraid of it. Go forth and share the gospel. Quit being comfortable because God has all authority. So the new way of thinking is that death is not something to be feared. The new way of thinking is is that you have no control of death. See, before Christ, we try as hard as we can to control death, don't we? And even after Christ, we try so hard to control death sometimes, don't we? Let me give you an example of my own life. Uh, my wife's not in here today. She's in the nursery. Uh, but man, she can testify to this. When I asked my wife to pray about me running my second Ironman, which was not a 70.3, but it was a 140-mile Ironman, she looked at me and she said, I have peace in it as long as you don't die. So me and all my theology, remember, I, I don't have much in my arsenal, right? So I looked at her and I said, baby... I promise you I will not die. All right, so that's what I said. So I get on this race, and I give my wife a kiss goodbye at 6 o'clock in the morning. And Guys, that's a surreal moment. Maybe for, for athletes that have done it over and over, it might not be so surreal to them, but for your first time knowing that you're going 140 miles, and for me in my heart, I was going to the finish line, whether I was going to be in the finish line with Jesus or I was going to be in the finish line of this Ironman, I was going, and if you saw me cross the finish line, you thought I was with Jesus. (laughs) Amen. And so I had such a great race going, and I was 10 miles into the run. I had already swam 2.4, biked 112 miles, and I was running my marathon 26.2-mile run. And I had ran 10 miles. I had 16 miles to go. And some of you all heard the story, and I'm going to be very brief here. But I literally, uh, I overhydrated and I started to go into shock. My body began to go into shock at mile 10. Um, a normal person would have said, it's over, it's done, let's, let's withdraw me from, from the race. But I just couldn't do it. And all of y'all praying in this room, it was by the power of God that I sat there and drank Gatorade. I don't know how just simple Gatorade got my body from shock back to running 16 miles. But it, it wasn't Gatorade, it was Jesus. Um, and so... The last 16 miles, I walked, and I finished with four minutes left, but I walked as hard as I could. I was walking a 12-minute pace, but every step I said, God, don't let me die. Don't let me die. Am I going to die? Did I make the wrong choice? Am I going to die? God, don't let me die. And so this poor guy who the last 12 miles ran with me, we became best buds, and every, like, literally minute, I was like, 
Am I going to die? Am I going to die? Am I going to die? Y'all don't know this, but this true story. I was like, do you, did, did I make the wrong decision? Am I going to die? And he's like, man, you got this. And then I realized, I was like, I'm a pastor, and I'm fearful of dying right now. And I looked at the guy, and I said, I'm not afraid to die. I just don't want to die. I just, I... <laughs> and so when I got home and finally got my mind back about three months later, um, I was asking my mentor, I said, why in the world was I so afraid of dying? And he said, it's because you promised your wife something you had no authority over. But you know, we so often try to put authority over death that we don't have. But can I tell y'all something? It's so freeing to know that I have no authority over death. And so when God calls me to do things that on an earthly level seem so crazy... I'm like, well, God, I've heard your voice and I know your voice. And either today we're going to glory in what you do here on earth or I'm going to glory with you. It's so freeing. If you could remove the fear of death out of something, I bet we would see a lot more people doing some different mission work. Think about that. I can't tell you how many people tell me, well, I really want to go, but I'm fearful. I'd rather you say, I really want to go, but the Lord told me not to, than to say you're fearful of death. Just the other day, we wrote uh, the, the Washington, D.C. group, and we said, hey, um, we just want to know if, uh, uh, you know, is there any type of protection because of all the terrorist attacks and all the different things? And I was telling my intern, I said, listen, you know, we're probably going to get a Bible verse back, and that's what they should send us back. And sure enough, they send us a uh, uh, email back and it says some trust in chariots some trust in horses but I trust in the name of Jesus Christ but then they also said the things that they were doing out of wisdom but they said that's not where we put our trust and I said amen and so those three things uh, oh there's another one here um, we also in the focus of the kingdom on our focus on the kingdom it also changes our focus of all the material things that we've ever owned See, not only does it change our mindset on death, not only does it change our mindset on our job and our activities, but it also changes our mindset on the things that we own because now we use the things we own for the kingdom of God. And the only way I can really express this to you is is that we have a guy, and he's not here today because all of our students and, and leadership is on spring break. I had somebody tell me this morning they wish that the adults got spring break. Um... But they're out of town, and we have a youth leader. I'm not going to say his name. But we have a youth leader who literally, every time I've asked him, hey, I need this or I need that, and he's like, man, it's not mine. Go get it. Every time. Everything we own, everything is on loan to us. Even the suit that doesn't fit me anymore is on loan to me. Everything we own. And I asked him one day, I said, well, what if I mess that up? He said, well, I'll go get another one or I didn't need it. And I'm sitting here like, man, Lord, how can I get to this point? I wanted to just go get in the woods just to get away with my my brain was just on overload. And I asked this guy if he would take me to, to his property and go hunting. And he said, sure, I'd love to. So we go out hunting and he comes to pick me up and he had just gotten a new vehicle. I looked at him and I said, let's take my truck because mine, mine's got some scratches and some dings on it. He said, man, I bought this to be used. 
I'm sitting here like, literally my prayer in that moment was, God, let me have that same mindset that everything I own is yours. You know, if it's all God's, and if your mindset is that it's all God's, then when somebody uses it, and let's say it's never returned, you're okay because you're like, well, it was God's. I know that's hard. I know that's very difficult. And there's times that the Lord tells me no, right? There's wisdom in that. But we got to get to the thing that materialism and material things don't have us anymore. Our decisions cannot be made on how valuable it is to me. Our decision has to be made on, is God telling me to let that person use it? Because if it's based on the value in my life, then I've missed the fact that God already owns it. So the first thing was is that the mind of Christ understands the authority to the Father. The second thing is, is that it focuses on the kingdom things. It redirects our focus from our self-kingdom to His kingdom. And that's everything. Let me say that again. It re, the mind of Christ redirects the focus from our self-kingdom to His kingdom. That's everything. Even life and the last breath that you have, every bit of it. I lay down every night and I can hear my heart beating. And I say, Lord, thank you for allowing my heart to beat tonight. And Lord, if you give me a heartbeat and breath tomorrow, then let me use it for your kingdom or otherwise I wasted a day. That's my prayer. The third thing I want you to see, and this is very important, the mind of Christ reveals to us the schemes of Satan. It reveals to us the schemes of the evil one who is at work against the kingdom of God. See, number two, it, it, makes, it, it sends us to do kingdom work. And that's all, all the time. If you're on vacation, you're doing kingdom work. The way you're loving the people at the hotel that you're at, it doesn't matter where you're at. You don't vacation from the kingdom of God. You take the, the kingdom of God is with you everywhere you go, and you're sharing it with people all over the place. But here's the thing. There is an evil one who is out to bring about schemes and things to trap you, to keep you from sharing the kingdom work and the kingdom things. And so the mind of Christ helps us and reveals to us the schemes of the evil one that is at work against the kingdom of God. Let me just remind you something real quick. The great theologian Lecrae said this in a song called Chase That Ambition. And the whole song is about him chasing the ambitions of this world. And he said it's so interesting in the song. He said it's so interesting that history repeats itself. That evil is what it is. Because Lucifer was cast away for doing what I did. Think about that for a second. See, Lucifer was cast away, according, and he's, he's sharing in his lyrics, because he was seeking after the glory that was only God's. And so when we are sitting there and we are going for our own glory and our own kingdom, we are falling into the schemes of the evil one who is basically just showing us to do the same things that he did himself that got him cast out of heaven. There ain't no difference. So I want to show you a few things. In John 1, 1 John 2, 15 through 17, we see that the schemes of the evil one is the lust of the flesh, 
the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. It says, do, you, do not love the world for the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also the lust, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. Now I want you to see something. You know, Satan schemes are very uh, the, the same today. It's, it's the same thing. John 10, 10 says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If you'll put John 10, 10 up for me. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life. First John says that it's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. When we buy into those, we are now at this point allowing the thief to come to steal, kill, and destroy. When we buy into the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, he is still killing and destroying. The scripture says that Satan is the father of all lies. And so all he has is to offer is deception. Let me go back to the very first reference of sin in the Bible. And that's Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Many of you know it by heart, probably. You can probably tell me the story backwards and forward, but I want to read this to you. Now, the serpent was more craftier than the beasts of the field, which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the tree which is the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor touch it, or you will die. Verse 4, The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die. Stop there for a second. Isn't that interesting? Let me ask you a question. When she ate of the fruit, did she die? Yes and no, right? Yes, spiritually. But physically, she didn't die. Now, she will soon. She put herself on a course to die physically, didn't she? Isn't it interesting that the way that Satan just came in there and just deceived her just slightly... Oh, but, but you won't surely die. If you eat of that fruit, you won't die. But see, what he knew is that she would die spiritually. What he knew is that because she died spiritually, she would be removed from the garden, not be able to eat of the tree of life, and eventually she would die. See, he understood and he deceived Eve and Adam. And so we see in here the progression real fast. In verse 5, it says what? It says, for God knows that the day that you eat of your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good from, and, and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, and that it was delightful to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, the pride of life, she eats of the fruit. She was deceived to think that if she did this, that she would gain something. And let me just tell you something. When we have the mindset of Christ, the deceptions and the lies don't stop coming at us. It's that with the mind of Christ, we understand that it's a lie from the evil one. And let me just tell you something that's so beautiful about this, if you will just catch this. When the lie of the evil one comes, you can say, oh, oh, wait, hold up. I know what the scripture says. I know what's on the other side of that deception. It's death. It's stealing, killing, and destroying. 
I know that, that if I step on the other side of this deception, if I step over here, you may be enticing me with the lust of the flesh. You may be enticing me with the lust of, of the eyes. You may be enticing me with pride right this moment. But I understand that if I step over that line, if I give in to the deception, then what comes? All these things that, have, that, that were not spoken to me, all these false things, all these lies and deceptions and deceit that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You say, David, why is this so important? Because we have to understand the schemes of the evil one. The mindset of Christ helps us to see the deception that's coming. It helps us to see what really Satan's motives are. And that's to bring about death. That's to bring about hurt and pain and destruction. And if we're going to be serving and working for the kingdom of God, we've got to stand firm, as Ephesians 6 says. And we have to know the schemes of the evil one so that we can stand firm in Christ. Only Christ is open in our eyes to see this. See, only Christ, because I don't know about y'all, but in my flesh, I will fall every time. I will run in my flesh to the lust of the eyes, to the lust of, of the flesh, and to the pride of life every time. Because my flesh craves that. And so does yours. And so if your mind is not being renewed in Christ and allowing Christ to show you the schemes of the evil one, you will find yourself slowly, slowly, slowly going into the deception. And here's the sad thing. Do you realize that when you believe the deception of the evil one, you're putting more trust in Satan's voice than God's? Because see, God said, don't eat of that. You'll be here. They were dwelling in the garden. God tells us that if we uh, remove the schemes, if we stay away from the schemes of the evil one, that we'll walk in peace and joy and the fruit of the Spirit. But when we don't and we give in to the deceptions of the evil one, we will find pain and hurt and sorrow. And so which voice do you listen to? If you're being renewed in the mind of Christ, you know the voice of God and you're quick to hear it. And you're quick to stand firm. It's Christ in us. So let me kind of just wrap this up by saying this. Do you realize that the serpent can easily step in and you could say, well, David, I'm not struggling with you know, uh, these different things. I'm not struggling with the big sins. I'm not struggling with with this and that and whatever the big sins are, I don't know, because all sins basically take us from, from the kingdom of God. All sins cause death. But in st- steps the serpent. And the serpent says, did the voice of God really tell you to only work for his kingdom? What about, what about you? Why don't you have a little bit of time for yourself? Why don't you go and, 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 and kind of build your kingdom a little bit? Did the voice of God really tell you that he has all authority? Do you really believe that? There's Christians being martyred today. There's people who went to church knowing that it could be their last time to even breathe because they're such, under such persecution. Does he really have authority? And if we're not allowing the mindset of Christ to wash over us, we will begin to be what I call American Christians and be very comfortable. And we'll sit back and say, whoa, I need to play it safe. i got to park that gr- car in the garage, and I can't, I can't go drive it. 
I'm afraid I'm going to have dings on it. I'm afraid somebody's going to hurt it. I'm afraid I could have a wreck. And we can easily allow the deception of the evil one to slip into our mind and us become what I call pew huggers. Which we don't have pews here, so we're good. First Corinthians, I want to show you this scripture. And then I want to share with you a testimony that fits all of this. First Corinthians chapter 3, 10 through 15. It says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me like a wise builder, I laid a foundation and another is the building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So let me tell you, both people in this situation are believers because their foundation is Jesus Christ. Now, if a man builds a foundation, he builds with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. He says, each man's work will become evident for the day will show it it because it is to be revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Remember, hay, wood, and straw, that gets consumed by the fire, right? But the rest of it is refined by the fire, right? All right, so if a man's work, which he's built on, remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through the fire. I want you to see something here. I really believe this with all my heart, that in that scripture, those that are building with wood, hay, and straw, yes, they're believers. Their foundation is Jesus Christ, but they've allowed the evil one to say, does he really, does he really have all authority? Do, is he really watching out for you? Uh, you know, it's really dangerous over there. Oh, it's dangerous to do this. Or, 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 and, and, and you need to go build your kingdom a little bit. And that's the wood, hay, and straw. But the ones who have the mind of Christ and is allowing Christ to wash over them and seize the works of the evil one, he says, I'm not going to buy that because if I die, I'm going to be with Jesus forever and ever and ever. And I'm not going to hold my life like this. I've already given it to God. It's not mine anymore. And all the things that I have in life, the material possessions, they're not mine anymore. They're gods they're his they never were mine it was just the deception of the evil one and 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 they're all his and if something is removed it's removed praise god because they're his it's his and he has all authority and we run with life knowing that it's all in him and him alone and we're not afraid and we begin to see the house be built with gold silver and precious stones and when we go before the lord the fire of god We'll see that refined. And that the Lord will say, My good and faithful servant, please don't park your life in the garage. Your life is to be used for the kingdom of God. And I want to show you a two minute video here. And then we're going to have Brother Ed come up and and sing. But in this video, One of our young professionals, we call them young professionals, it's college young professionals. He shares his testimony. And what I want you to see is this. Is that he got to the point where he said, it's no longer mine. It's all laid down on the altar. And right now he's in another country, you'll see in just a second. But I think this video right here explains everything that was just preached in two minutes.
So I was the number one sales rep for AT&T um, when I was 18 years old, actually. And this is when kind of smartphones and stuff were taking off. So financially, um, I would say I was making more money than most people ever dream of. Um, in my mind, I kept thinking, all right, if I hit this certain amount of money in my checking account, then I'll be happy. Well, I hit that part. Then I said, all right, well, if I hit the next tier, then I'll be really, really happy. No. All right, if I hit this amount here in my checking account, then that's it. You know, I've made it. And ultimately, I hit that mark, and I still just felt empty. You know, I just got so consumed with this world and trying to find happiness, like I said, in wealth and um, other things. Well, I remember walking in my room and ultimately just falling on my knees and realizing that I just couldn't do it anymore on my own um, and that I needed, you know, someone to save me. And that's when I cried out truly, like in Romans 10, 13, I actually called upon the name of the Lord to save me. I used to worry about as far as what people thought of me. Um, my values were completely different. I was so caught up in wealth, success, the American dream. And now, um, you know, it used to be a roller coaster ride, but now I just find my value solely on Jesus Christ and what he did for me. A year ago, I went on a mission trip to Honduras, and I was there for about a week or so. I remember getting on the plane, and you know, a lot of people were tired. Mission trip can wear you out, especially a third world country. When I was on the plane, uh, that's when I just kept, literally just kept pulling my heart, thinking, where, where have I gone wrong with this whole American dream aspect? And whenever I got back from the mission field, um, I basically just prayed about it. I uh, didn't want to make an emotional decision. But I prayed about it, met with different uh, missionaries, and you know the confirmation that I got and the doors that opened was just uh, amazing. It shows the sovereignty of God. A week ago, a, a career that I built for eight years, I was a manager of a you know a billion dollar company, AT&T, and now Thursday I'll be flying out to Honduras and serving the mission field for six months. Chris had the mind of Christ. He got to the point where he said, nothing in this world matters. He told me before he left, he said, I'm going to one of the most dangerous places in the world. I don't, it's surprise. I mean, it's one of the most, on the, on the list of most dangerous places for people in missions. He said, you know, I've already given God my life. So nobody can take it from me. But I preached all that was preached today by the power of God. And here's the thing. You say, David, I don't know if God's calling me to the mission field like that. I don't know if he's telling me to leave everything. Yeah, but what we talked about today is that if it's still on the altar, he changes your mindset. And it's all used for his glory and for his kingdom. 